0: Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to another Get Invested podcast. Um, Right now, it's Thursday, June 11th. We uh, just had actually a big pullback in the market today that everyone have been calling for for uh, weeks or even a a month or two now. Um, But today, a lot of people have been asking a lot of questions regarding housing. Um, interest rates have been so low. People are asking, should we buy a house? Should we buy a rental property? If we want to buy a house, um, how long should we live there? Um, and so today we're just going to break it down. Um, we're going to talk about how you can get to the down payment, how to invest to get to the down payment, um, how much to put down the different types of loans that you can get, what type of mortgages you can afford. Um, and we're also just going to talk about just some interesting ways to think about real estate because it's, it's not just so cut, cut or dry, cut and dry. Um, there's definitely a bunch of different ways to, to look at it. And with that being said, as always, we, may, we aren't necessarily talking on individual companies today, um, but we are talking about different investment opportunities and don't take anything today necessarily as financial advice. This is the stuff that we do and we can help you with uh, if you have questions specific to your situation, but everyone's situation is a little bit different. So this is more educational. And if there's anything you have questions on, let us know. And um, go ahead, Brett, why don't, why don't you kind of jump jump from here?
1: Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, you know, I've I've had a new hobby over this quarantine of just looking at houses on Zillow. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it. Um, if you haven't, I know that there's a lot of people out there uh, that look at this thing every single day. Um, and, you know, even here in L.A., a lot of the places where I'm at over on the west side in Playa del Rey are over a million dollars at least. Um, but, you know, throughout COVID, another one of my favorite activities is just taking walks through those Awesome neighborhoods. There's these like five to eight million dollar mansions and just kind of seeing the prices and just watching it um, just from a very qualitative perspective. Um, but it's been interesting because you know the entire real estate industry is is going through this digitalization, just like many other sectors of this kind of retail economy. We've got you know these Zillows now, we got Redfin, um and, and really buying a house has been easier than ever. Um, but we still actually got to get there first and, and save and invest to get there first. So, you know, how do we actually do that Ben?
0: Yeah. And, and Brett, you, you brought up such a good point, which maybe we'll jump into more at the end, but it's, it's hilarious. I mean, now, now more than ever, it's so easy to find a place and so easy to compare places and it's just, it's wild. It's, it's a total different time than what we're used to. And so, um. So, so, yeah, like you talked about, why don't we work with the down payment? And, and look, we, we obviously have listeners that are looking in all different price ranges. And Brett and I um, are just working on uh, a house, say in California, that's $750,000. Um, if you want to live west of the 405, um, it's tough to find houses um, that are that cheap, but they're, they're probably our condos. But we just, we just want to start there um, and give perspective. And so, First and foremost, um, when you buy a seven hundred fifty thousand dollars house, um, you you got to work to get to the down payment. Um, you have to get a loan. There's a bunch of different loan options, and then you have property taxes. If it's a condo, you have homeowners association fees, and then you have homeowners insurance. So, uh, so so first, the down payment. You you've probably heard uh, of wanting to hit twenty percent down on your house. So. For a $750,000 house, that's no joke, that's $150,000. And so it's gonna take some time to save and you gotta think about how you can get there. and I guess the question for you, Brett, is uh, should you be trading options in your Robinhood account uh, <laughs> and putting all your money in Tesla to get that down payment?
1: <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say definitely not. You know, we've had this rise of, of Robinhood traders, especially, you know, they've always been there over the last couple of years. But all of a sudden it became the coolest thing to do is trade on Robinhood. And, you know, people are – with just basically blowing like the stimulus checks on it, unemployment money, you know, people that aren't necessarily um, even meant to be in these investments. And, And having the right investment choice for yourself is super important depending on the goal that you want to get to. So like if you're saving for a house, right, and you're let's say a year or two away from buying that house or getting to your goal of that down payment, you probably should not be in the stock market and you shouldn't and definitely not be trading highly uh, risky things like options for example and so the best way to do it is, is systematically saving and investing on a monthly basis and uh, you probably don't want to own 100% stocks um, you know if like for example in March of um, 2019 um, you know your portfolio was down 30% um, my apologies that was this year. But uh, as you, you know, approach the closer you get to buying that home or getting to that down payment, what you actually want to do is, is pile into more conservative investments um, like bonds or cash or cash alternatives to really protect your downside. Um, and, you know, why the 20% down exactly? There's a few different reasons. Um, two main ones, So It really helps you avoid... Um, what's called private mortgage insurance or PMI. And you hear this buzzword a lot, especially when you're talking to like mortgage brokers or when you're in this process and basically what PMI means is that you're a higher risk to that lender. Uh, The lender being the bank, whoever it is. Right. And they're essentially making you pay more money so that they can protect themselves from you not paying that loan. Now, the second reason you want to put 20% down is really that it keeps your mortgage payment down as well. Now, the bigger loan that you have, the more that your monthly payment's going to be. So, it is worth to note that some banks offer, um, you know, allow you to put less money down without actually incurring that PMI. And eventually, you can get the PMI off of your loan once you have enough equity built up and have made a, a you know, decent amount of those payments, you can kind of refinance it. But those are really, you know, the two main reasons you want to put 20% down and kind of avoid those, those gimmicks of, hey, you can you get you can get into this house by just putting 5% down, because there's a lot of added costs that you don't really think about in that loan.
0: Yeah. And and when you wrap it into, say, like a 30 year loan or something like that, it it may not seem like a lot of money, but it substantially adds up and and it's money that's not necessarily equity in a house. And, and you know, some people listening right now, if they bought a house a few years ago, they're saying, oh, yeah, we refinance, no problem, low rates. But I, I literally just saw um, a lender that uh, I've, I've used a lot in the past and uh, I won't, won't name the bank, but the bank is basically just pausing on pausing on these loans. Um, he has to refer and it's a major bank and he has to refer business to other banks because their rates just aren't competitive anymore, and it's just not a market they want to be in. And I'm hearing stories of people trying to get interest-only loans that need uh, an extra year of payments. Um, you know, there's it's just a lot different. Um, yeah, what so, are
1: the different types of loans, Ben? Yeah, first interest-only. Su- for sure. So the I'll
0: start with the loan that most people are familiar with, and that is just a typical 30-year fixed loan. So the majority, I don't know what the percentages are, but, um, you buy a house, you put 20% down and then you basically finance, uh, your loan, 80% of the value of the home for 30 years. And you have a consistent monthly payment that you make every single month. Now for this house that we're talking about, if it's a $750,000 house, you put 150,000 down when you start your loan, it's about 600,000. And so What happens is eventually after 30 years, the $600,000 loan goes down to zero, right? And in the beginning, you have the majority of the payment that you're making uh, goes to interest and that's because that mortgage balance is really high. So interest is just going to the bank. This is money that's going to the bank and then um, eventually towards the end, when you're at the end of your loan, um, you're mainly just paying principal down. Now, the truth is most people that get a 30 year mortgage do not see to the end of the 30 year mortgage. Um, They'll either move or they'll refinance and there's just a bunch of different options out there, especially have we seen interest rates go down. So um, that's the number one most popular loan. Now there's some other loans that are available. Um, Popular ones recently uh, are what are called adjustable rate mortgages. So they have five year, seven year and 10 year. And what the adjustable rate mortgage is, is you do lock in uh, 30 years of payments, quote unquote, but your rate is only fixed for the first five years, seven years, or 10 years. So a lot of people, and and so you get a lower rate than what the 30-year mortgage is is because um, you only get that rate for that short period of time. So a lot of people will think, hey, I'm not gonna be in my house for that long um, or I'll likely have the ability to refinance And so I'm going to save a little bit on my rate. And so I'm going to get an adjustable rate mortgage. Now, the big risk that you run with these adjustable rate mortgages is if you decide you love your place and you want to stay in your place and five to seven years from now, interest rates are higher, which I know we've seen low interest rates for so long. And now no one thinks interest rates are going up. But uh, if interest rates are higher, then you're going to have to try to lock in a rate that's higher so then your payment can go up in the future. So, um, obviously you have, have that risk there. Um, two other alternative loans. Um, one is a 15 year mortgage. 15 year mortgage is just like a 30 year mortgage, except it's over 15 years. Um, you again have a lower interest rate, but your payment is a lot longer. Uh, excuse me. Your payment is a lot higher because you pay off your loan over 15 years. And then the last one is an interest only loan, um, Interest-only loan. Now you typically need to have uh, a lot more reserves to be able to do this. Potentially put more than twenty percent down. But what an interest-only loan is is the payment that you're making every single month. You're actually not paying your principal down at all. So you're just paying interest. So it'll keep your payments really low. Um, likely, you know, potentially similar to what your rent payment is for a comparable pace place. But it is interest interest only. So those are, those are the different, different options. Again, we see 30-year. Um, that's the most common one that we see. But it's, you know, there, there's different advantages to both. And, and let me ask you, Brett. You know, pe- pe- people will ask, what, how do you tell a client when they're talking about doing a 15-year versus a 30-year? What, what are you thinking about in determining the, the difference on doing a 15-year versus a 30-year?
1: yeah you read my mind because yeah just listening to you myself hearing all of these different loans i can already imagine someone asking me okay well which one's the best for me and uh everyone's situation is obviously unique to them and that's part of our job is to figure out which one is best for you in your specific situation so if you do have those questions please do reach out to us and we can answer it directly um but you know it's it's really going to depend on the cost of the loan and um, what you're trying to accomplish. So people always say, you know, like I hate renting, I hate renting, I'm just really throwing money away and they don't really realize that being a homeowner can be very, very expensive. Um, forget the loan. If something breaks, right, you can't just call the landlord to fix it. So, you know, you have to account for all of those added costs, but when you're looking at just the mortgage or just the cost of the mortgage, um, it, you know, why don't we kind of dive in deeper because I really think that people will, will find this extremely interesting on what it will actually cost.
0: Yeah, totally. So, so first and foremost, um, with like the 15 year versus the 30 year, you, you have a 15 year mortgage that the rate is a little bit lower, um, than a 30 year, but you have a substantially higher payment that you're paying and with interest rates so low, Ah, uh, you may have the ability to borrow at at interest that is likely tax deductible, which we'll we'll probably get into not too far in the weeds. Um, but interest rates are really low, tax deductible, you know, maybe you invest the difference as long as you save. but but yeah, let's talk about the total cost of of home ownership and and pardon the numbers, but I think it's the easiest way to talk about it and explain and and we're going to talk about it not regarding the tax implications of it and the reason for that is because everyone's situation is very different so the calculation is different but um you know this example we're using a $750,000 house let's say your mortgage is $600,000 and let's just say you got a 30-year mortgage the the most common mortgage that you get um at a 3.25% rate a lot of people are getting that interest rate right now some lower um a few higher your payment would be about $2,600 a year or thirty one thousand three hundred a year. Um, I'll I'll apologize if you hear a, a little dog whining in the background. Uh, I am house sitting a dang cute puppy today. So <laughs> it's, just heads it's up. That's twenty
1: six hundred a month as well. That'd be really yeah. cheap. Twenty six hundred. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so so twenty six hundred a month or thirty one thousand three hundred a year. Um, and what's crazy about this payment? Okay, it's thirty one thousand a year, but twenty thousand of that in the first year is interest, okay? So when you're making this payment, okay, two-thirds of the payment, okay? That's just you're borrowing money from the bank. So that is not building equity actually, okay? That is just interest to the bank. So it's kind of like you're renting your loan from the bank. You're borrowing money from the bank. On top of that, in California, property taxes are about 1.25%, okay? So your property taxes on a place like this are an additional nine grand a year, or about seven hundred and thirty bucks a month, right? So when you look at your all-in payment of three thousand three hundred plus homeowners insurance, uh, which is about hundred bucks, uh, we're assuming you don't live in a condo. Uh, you you put that all together, you know, you're looking at a total payment of close to thirty five hundred, right? But in the first few years, obviously this changes if you see the loan to the end because in the beginning it's more interest, uh, at the end it's more principal. But the majority of your payment isn't actually building equity, right? 20, we're, we're talking over $2,000 um, of this, uh, of your $3,500 payment is going to either the government to pay your taxes uh, and it's going to the bank. So then you start to do the math and you're like, well, what if I rented at, 2000 a month and then i save the difference right so that that's kind of the questions questions that you start to ask and you know you see right now and i think this is so much due to zillow and redfin uh mortgage payments in a lot of areas are more expensive than rent when you include mortgage interest, all that stuff. And we're not even talking about if anything goes wrong. Um, I have a client, his joke, he always says, "If if anything goes wrong, you need to do anything with your house, it's 10 grand. You need to fix the roof, it's 10 grand. You need to redo the landscaping, it's 10 grand, right? And so this isn't even counting all these things. And so I will say though, Why real estate really works before even talking about leverage, which we'll get into, but why it works is, is when you make this $3,500 payment, like let's say you're paying your property taxes while in your mortgage, um, it's called impounding it. Uh, if you're doing that, you are making that payment every single month. Okay. You're not going, you're not going to the bank and you're telling the bank, Hey, I'm not going to pay my full mortgage this month. I'm only going to pay 2,000. or I'm only going to pay 1,000 or I'm going to take a break this month. It's a little different right now with COVID as people are able to defer their mortgages, but this is a, this is a completely different time. But people, when they save in their invest, when they save in their investment accounts or they save in their bank, right? They may take a break from the savings. okay? It may be, oh, I'm going to spend money on uh, vacation. I'm going to spend money on something else, and they don't have that forced savings. But if you do the four savings, it can definitely work out. So you want to you want to add anything to that, Brett?
1: No, I mean yeah, it's it's hilarious. You know, ten grand this, ten grand that. It's uh, exactly what my pops always said growing up. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's funny. But you know, one thing uh, that was a good idea that we talked about was that um, you know, if you're maybe your goal is to get into a house, but you're currently renting right now. And maybe your goal is to have that $750,000 house. Well, maybe try to save the difference, which is the total amount of your mortgage, your goal mortgage, and just invest that amount so that once you actually purchase the home and once you're actually in that situation, you're already acclimated to that environment of paying the higher amount because you were already renting and then investing the difference. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's that's exactly it because I've heard from a lot of people before like, oh, when I – you know we really want a house so like we'll make the sacrifices to make that monthly payment even though it's more than our rent. but why not do it now? Why not see what it's like to in this scenario um, spend $3,500 a month? Take that out in the first of the month, right? Just just treat it, treat your monthly savings plus rent as the exact same as what your mortgage would be. So a lot of my clients that are starting to think, about buying a house, I literally just had this conversation uh, two days ago with a client. Start just pretending like you're making that mortgage payment and see just how it affects your plan. And this goes twofold. This is a couple, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to it, but one is once you buy the house, right? Once you get there, then you already know you can make the payment. You've gotten used to it. So that's number one. And then number two because you need to save to get to that down payment anyways, right, you're able to get there faster by just having this consistent monthly
1: savings every single month. And um, what this also I, helps you to yeah. do, Ben, I think, too, is that Please. once you actually purchase the home, it's not putting all your eggs in one basket because we see too many times where you know people put their entire basically net worth into a home and thinking that home values don't go down and not realizing that they're in a situation when they're using intense leverage. And you know, leverage can work great on the upside. Um, that's the great thing about leverage, but the, you know, that's also the bad thing about leverage is that you can get caught massively to the downside. Um, so you, let's kind of jump into that. Yeah, so let's continue um,
0: with this house at 750,000. I'm gonna just gonna lower it to 700 just to make the math. Um, a little bit easier. Um, so if you bought a $700,000 place and over a couple years, uh, it appreciates 10%, 700 times 1.1, 770,000. Okay. And if we talked about the same down payment, you only put 140,000 down. Um, long story short, if you sell this house at a gain, okay. If you sold it for 770, okay. You've paid off a little bit of your mortgage, Okay, you're, you put in 140,000, pay down your mortgage a little bit. Okay, you walk away with 200,000. Okay, there's seller's commissions you got to pay. There's other stuff you potentially have to pay, but we're, we're not getting into that today. So you put in 140, although that home only appreciated 10%, you had a $60,000 gain. So that's a 40% gain, right? So that's leverage at its best right there, leverage being, Hey, you only had to put 20% down into the house and you're able to basically, that's the term is leverage that money and have it go further because you know, it's the same deal, which you can't do. I mean, you can do this through options, which is super risky, but in your stock account, if you know, if you bought a stock like Tesla and um, you only put 20% down into that position, okay, you could have, made a crazy amount of money, but, um, you're, you're not actually able to do that in markets. You're only able to do that through options. Um, but leverage works in the other way. Okay. We've seen leverage work in the good way. Okay. For the past few years, as interest rates have continued to go down, um, home prices have continued to appreciate, but leverage works both ways. So let's, let's go the other way. Let's say you bought a $700,000 place. Okay. It was in an up and coming area, but then, Maybe because of everything going on um, right now in the world, you are forced to move somewhere else and you basically have to sell your house. And, you know, there's just not a lot of buyers for your area. And so, like, let's say it, t- it went down only 10%, okay, which we're seeing places that are getting marked down right now, okay? Your $700,000 place is worth six thirty, dollars okay? In that scenario, the $140,000 you put into it and again, we're not even going to count seller's commissions or anything like that, turned into $55,000, okay? Ouch. So you say, yeah, you lost almost hundred grand. So you worked so hard to save, invest, and get to that down payment. And just like that, okay, although your home only went down 10%, you lost almost hundred grand. So it works in both ways, right? And again, um, probably most listeners right here who are younger, um, they've only seen it happen on, on the way up.
1: Yeah, and I mean, 08 is the most prime example of this, right? Like, go and look at housing prices in 08. And like, if you actually look on a lot of the um, the selling history on these websites like Zillow and stuff, it's incredible to see the difference in prices because, you know, being in real, in California, we just almost have been accustomed that like real estate just goes up over time. And that's definitely not the case.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, we're talking in those There's still some places that haven't recovered from the financial crisis where they were before that, and you know we're talking about only ten percent down, um, or excuse me, we're talking only about a ten percent drop in price. You know some of those places got cut in half, and it's that's where you hear the term "people are underwater on their home," right? If you bought a home, and I mean back then you could basically put five percent down or even less. It's the they were called the ninja loans, no income, no jobs or assets, Uh, and you know like let's just say you put. Bought a five hundred thousand dollar place. You put fifty thousand down, and let's say it just went down twenty percent to four hundred thousand. Your loan is four fifty, and your house is worth four hundred. So people just walked away from their houses, right? And that's why you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. And then another thing to add to, you know, I think I think we're talking kind of the negative side of real estate, and, and real estate can be great investments. And I know a lot of people are super successful, and so that's not what not at all what what this is meant to be. But what we will tell clients is if you're going to live in the place and this is an area where you want to raise your family, where you want to raise your kids, you know, I I grew up in a community um, in south part of Los Angeles where it it is very community-based. My grandparents bought their house 63 years ago. They both still... Uh, live in their house. Uh, my parents bought their house when my brother was six months old, um, 34 years ago, and they still live in the same house. And so when when you live in that house, when you stay there, okay, you don't even need to worry too much about the fluctuation in prices because you're not selling your house, right? Because you live there and that's where you want to live. And so you don't necessarily need to worry about that. On top of that, why real estate works so well, we talked about the the force savings that happens, right? By making that mortgage payment every single month. But also, this is changing a little bit with Zillow and Redfin, is it doesn't price every day, okay? So today, the the Dow was down what, Brett? 1,800 points? I know we hate talking
1: Ridiculous about that Ridiculous
0: amount. But, yeah, but some people still love talking about the Dow, okay? So the Dow was down 1,800 points today, okay? I, I get a text from my uncle, like market crash (laughs) whatever right it's ridiculous so you know what happened to real estate today what happened to the value of your house today i guarantee you if you tried to sell your house today like if you just put it on the market and you had to sell it today you'd have to sell it at a discount but that's not how you think about your house right because it's a whole process to sell your house versus with stocks it's a button on a screen it's too easy right that's one of the worst. That's one of the worst things. And look, if you bought the S and P five hundred, a better gauge of the market, you picked a day to invest, didn't touch it. Fifteen years later, you've made money hundred percent of the time. And you know you can go through times where you've lost money. And the problem is with I'd say the problem with the stock market is that it prices every day. Right? They've done all these studies. People that look at their accounts less are actually more successful. And and Brett, you can tell me right now. Do you, you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, the market up a lot actually over the past 12 months. And now year to date, maybe after today, just down a little bit. Do you, do your clients think that they're close to even on the year? Or, what? you know, what are your clients saying that don't look at their accounts?
1: If they did not look at their accounts, I did get a few um, emails this week when I sent out our, our market commentary that we send out. Um, all the time saying like, wow, like they were impressed that we were actually up. I mean, given the, the civil unrest that is um, happening right now, the pandemic, the shutdown of the economy, like things in the economy like couldn't get much worse in a sense. But yet the market, the stock market, which is dominated by you know, these tech companies that have largely been unhurt are kind of propping us up and uh you know you brought up a really good point when you said that um if you're planning to live in this house and and build a family there over you know 5 10 15 20 years that this stuff is a lot less uh important to worry about Um, but there's also you know if you're looking at it as an investment rather than living there Um, There's other ways to invest in real estate that's not necessarily buying a property and having all of the headaches that we just talked about, um, mortgages, leverage, all of these things. And it's called REITs or Real Estate Investment Trust. And these are actually publicly traded things, just like stocks that you can actually invest in and essentially collect rent payments or collect that income as if you were owning a property. Um, And they're very useful tools
0: yeah and and instead of having only one property right instead of being subject to only one, you have access to hundreds, even thousands, so you don't necessarily have all your eggs in one basket right and and we 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 preach diversification um, as a key to long-term investment success, and you you definitely have the ability to do that now i i I'm still convinced, and this is a conversation we have I, I have Is because of Zillow and Redfin, the easy deals are so much harder to come by. So, you know, take 10, even 10 years ago, um, and even further than that, you could find these places that were you know a little bit off the beaten path a little bit cheaper and you know you have agents that are helping you find those places but now those places are on zillow and on redfin and if a place goes up on one of those websites and it's way undervalued it gets bid up because people are looking at the numbers and interest rates are so low they can borrow at such a low interest rate and keep their payment down so much even on more expensive places that it just drives it up so you're not cash flow positive i don't there's only a handful of people that I know right now that are buying places that are immediately cash flow positive, meaning like when you include all the expenses, they're making money and the people that, that are cash flow positive are either putting more than 20% down or they're, um, actually putting money into the house and actually, you know, doing work on it. Right. So if you have that ability and like that's something that you want to do, I, I think you do have that potential for opportunity. That's for sure. Um, definitely. Yeah. And and one thing that I, that is worth mentioning before, you know, before we jump off is make sure when you, when you do look to buy a house, you are still saving for your other goals. So some people think about starting a family, we got to save for college, right? (laughs) Saving for retirement, super tax efficient, um, housing, especially when you live in it, um, can be pretty tax efficient and there's some good tax efficiencies if you rent it as well. So there's more that goes into it. but. You know, the bank may approve of you, may approve you for a mortgage that is more than you can necessarily afford. Right? So banks are gonna approve you you know, it's it's getting a little more strict right now, but thirty, thirty-five percent. Okay. For a lot of people, if they're contributing more than thirty-five percent of their money just towards property taxes and housing, it makes it really hard to afford the rest of your life. Right? So we'll preach hey let's try to keep our housing payments under 25 percent in certain areas it's harder than others but you want to make sure you're still saving for all your other goals and you don't want to just be be house poor because we've we've all seen those people that although they they have a house and it's great they're not able to save much for their other goals and um we we have a lot of and we have a lot of people that we work with that have a lot of student loans and that's because um you know parents weren't able to save for college and obviously college is so expensive.
1: Definitely. It's not putting all your eggs in one basket at the end of the day. It's, you know, finding out what's best for you and and writing down these goals and building these systems and and honestly working with a professional um, that can help you and guide you um, and honestly, really keep you accountable, because that's one huge thing. Um, we can talk about all of these dollar and cents and logic when it comes to finance and, and investing. But at the end of the day, like we are human beings and, you know, we have this emotional um, ties. Uh, we have our biases and, um, you know, having someone that can kind of uh, double check what you what you're doing or bounce ideas off of or or give you that guidance is extremely valuable when you're making these decisions that can literally not only affect the rest of your life, but your partner's life, your kid's life, even your parents' life, um, depending on their situation. So these are definitely not things, um, you know, it it is something to take very, very seriously.
0: Yeah, 100%. And there's so much that goes into it. And you just wanna make sure you're you're maximizing your, your situation and Brad, I, I couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. So with that I, I think we'll call it here and, and I know we didn't necessarily jump into the tax stuff regarding housing, but there have been some tax law changes that happened in twenty seventeen, uh 2017, 2018 that affected uh, the deductibility of houses. Um, the the short story is uh, your property taxes, if you make more than one twenty or one thirty, uh, are basically not deductible, um, most likely. And then uh, your mortgage is deductible only up to seven hundred fifty thousand. So there's a lot that goes into that, and 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 definitely don't just take that information as is. There's there's a lot more that goes into it. But we'll we'll uh, go ahead and call it here. And and you know this this conversation came from multiple conversations we've been having in the past week. And so feel free to reach out to us if there's any questions um, that you have. Brett's email is Brett at Gerber Kawasaki. My email is Ben at Gerber Kawasaki. Um, you can follow us on Twitter, Trades, and then uh, Ben Dunbar, underscore GK. Uh, we're, we're here to help, and we're here to talk about what you guys want to hear. So thanks for tuning in today.
1: Yep. Absolutely. See you guys later. And uh, honestly, if you're even thinking about taking any of these steps, um, we're offering all of our listeners actually a complimentary consultation. So uh, reach out, ask us your question, email us, tweet us, uh, find us anywhere. And uh, we're happy to help you guys. Thanks for listening in.